0: Shining the spotlight on the future of hockey.
1: Hey, it's Pat Smith
2: of the Spokane Chiefs. Hey, it's Adam Bocas. Hey, it's Joe Volano from the Drummondville Voltageurs.
1: Hey, it's Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hi, I'm Dominic Club. I'm Jacob Bernard Docker of the Old Coast Oilers. It's Joe O'Brien. Hi, it's Barrett Hayden of the Sioux Greyhounds. Brady Kachok from the
0: Boston University Terriers. Major Junior. In the 100th year of the Memorial Cup, the Ankeny Bathurst T-Tall have won it for the first time. Faceoff, 50-50, that's it. Minnesota, nice. Minnesota, Duluth, national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft.
3: The Buffalo Sabres are proud to select for all defenseman Rasmus Dali.
0: And more. Oh,
4: uh, yes! Oh, my goodness. We're not going
0: home yet, babies. This is The Pipeline Show.
4: Here we go.
3: Good weekend, everybody, and welcome to The Pipeline Show. My name is Keith Flaming. Thanks very much for uh, stopping by, downloading this week's episode. I hope you are coming back for more, that you're a return listener, and if you're a newcomer, then I certainly hope you'll be back once again. Uh, we usually start with the question of the day. I'm going to blow past that today uh, just because it's a... Uh, A longer show, as there's five guests coming up. I'll tell you who they are uh, momentarily. I'm going to get to some news and notes. uh, But in place of the question of the day, just a reminder that the Oil Kings have one more home game left on their schedule. As the question of the day is usually brought to you by the Edmonton Oil Kings. They play the uh, Calgary Hitmen on Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock start. It's the final game of the regular season. And then it's the playoffs. And we don't know yet who the Oil Kings are playing in the first round of the playoffs. We don't even know 100% yet uh, where they will finish in the standings. It'll be first or second. They will have home ice in the first round, but we don't know who the opponent will be uh, in that opening series. Go to oilkings.ca, and I believe they have uh, ticket packages about to be uh, released. If they're not already, uh, I'm told that they're going to be $79 uh, playoff tickets uh, this year uh, for all of the uh, playoffs as in you buy one ticket for $79, and it lasts the entire playoffs, It's not $79 per game. Oilkings.ca is the website. All the details will be there. Uh, I wanted, The news and notes that I want to share with you today, I'm just going to go over some of the uh, recent signings by NHL clubs. This courtesy Elite Prospects. The uh, New York Rangers signed goaltender Adam Huska out of uh, the University of Connecticut. Pittsburgh came to terms with Justin Almeida, who, who had they uh, drafted. He, played for the, uh, he still plays for the Moose Jaw Warriors, over 100 points this season uh, for the Warriors. Uh, no surprise, Quinn Hughes has left Michigan and signed with the Vancouver Canucks. Jake Lucchini uh, finishes out his career with the uh, Michigan Tech Huskies uh, to sign with the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Chicago Blackhawks have uh, come to terms with uh, Philip Kurashev of the Quebec Rampart. Uh, Princeton had three players uh, signed to NHL deals. Max Verano uh, came to terms with Ottawa. Ryan Kufner signed by the Detroit Red Wings. And Josh Tevis, the defenseman, is also now signed by the Vancouver Canucks. So two defensemen there for the Canucks. Uh, Detroit also signing Ataro Harosi, the uh, NCAA's leading scorer this year. Calgary Product played in the BCHL before going to Michigan State. He was on the Pipeline show about a month and a half ago. The Toronto Maple Leafs have signed defenseman Joseph Duzak from the, uh, Mercyhurst and just announced a few minutes ago, Trey Fixwalansky, of the Edmonton Oil Kings 7th round pick by the Columbus Blue Jackets has signed now uh, officially today. I was told a couple weeks ago that that was about to happen and it has uh, now formally been announced. Uh, and I guess most recently, the New York Rangers just signed uh, Jake Elmer uh, from the Lethbridge Hurricanes as well as a free agent. Mentioned, there's lots still to be decided uh, in uh, all three CHL leagues. In in fact, uh, in this is the final weekend of the regular season. But you know, uh, outside of a few, a handful of uh, playoff series that we know who the uh, the two teams will be matching up, there is uh, absolutely lots to still be decided. Uh, so it goes right down to the wire across the country, and that's fantastic. The NCAA playoffs, conference playoffs, well, they're all underway. Four of them got started last weekend. They all wrap up this weekend, and uh, this weekend. Uh, Hockey East and the NCHC also get going. So it is uh, definitely playoff season. The AJHL, second round begins. The BCHL, second round also gets going. So pretty much only the USHL uh, has a regular season, a couple more weeks of the regular season to go before their playoffs start. All right, I mentioned uh, it's a longer show in terms of uh, how many segments there's going to be, so let's get right to the guest list. Here's what's coming down the pipe today. We're going to start it off with a CHL Insider segment brought to you by The Store Next Door out in Nova Scotia. They're based in Nova Scotia, but don't let that scare you. They will ship anywhere in uh, North America, especially right across uh, Canada. What they do is, well, first off, they employ people with disabilities. You have to have a disability to work there. And they take broken uh, hockey sticks. They collect them from wherever they can. If you're you know, in Saskatchewan, you and uh, you're Boy Scouts or something like that, and you can Uh, go on a uh, you know sometimes you'll do a bottle drive or something for this go out and collect all the broken sticks you can you know you get four or five hundred or a thousand and you can ship them they will pay for it uh, to the store next door their website's the store next then they take those broken sticks and they make some really cool uh, products out of it you know like tables or chairs or like lawn chairs or um, uh, picture frames whatever and they use the broken sticks to do it it's a really great idea and if perfect for, like, a sports bar or just in your basement if you have, like, a rec room, something like that. Really neat stuff. So go to the store nextdoor.ca and learn more on that. The CHL Insider guest today. His name is Brandon Scott, first-timer here on the Pipeline Show. He is the radio play-by-play voice of the Sudbury Wolves, who are in a good position right now in the Ontario Hockey League's Eastern Conference. But, again, coming into this weekend, Still some movement, uh, a possibility in terms of seeding. From there, we'll go to our NCAA campus report. Brad Elliott Schlossman from the Grand Forks Herald will be my guest. He'll set you up for the NCHC playoffs, which begin tonight. We're going to have a trio of 2019 draft spotlight segments. We'll start with Harrison Blaisdell. the forward with the Chilliwack Chiefs out of the BCHL. And considered by most to be a second, maybe third rounder, for the draft this year. I had a chance to chat with him a few days ago. Then we'll go to uh, Matt Boldy from the U.S. National Development Team, the U18 squad. Here's a guy everybody expects to be in the first round, maybe in the uh, top 15 perhaps. Had a uh, somewhat abbreviated conversation with him. We'll explain that as we go. And we'll close out uh, today's show with another 2019 draft spotlight. It will also be the In the Dub segment for Dubnetwork.ca. As we speak with the Moose Jaw Warriors rookie, Braden Tracy, happens to lead all rookies in the Western Hockey League in scoring. As a 17-year-old, he's also draft eligible this year. So we'll chat with him about all of that. So full slate of guests. We'll kick it off with a CHL insider segment as Brandon Scott, the voice of the Sudbury Wolves, joins me first. That's next here on the Pipeline Show.
1: Here's Perlini. Perlini
3: loads
5: it up and he scores!
1: Hey, it's Brendan Furley from Niagara Ice and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
5: The in the stanchion, Rybrick kind of had it, but then he lost it to Byro. Byro, right side, plays that back. Ganey walks in, walks in, shoots, backdoor try for Byro, and he scores! The second
4: overtime winner for him as Ganey slides that one right through the crease onto the stick of Byro, and the Saints take it.
5: Hey, this is Brandon Ewan Jesson and with the Junior Prospect of the Week brought to you by Silent Air. This week is Sherwood Park, Alberta native, 2000 born forward Jordan Byro. The 18-year-old who was committed to Denver University enters his second season with the Spruce Grove Saints after putting up 32 points last year en route to the Saints 2018 AJHL Championship. In 55 games this season, Byro had 33 points, 11 goals, and 22 assists. I'm a small shifty forward who likes to put the puck in the net and make players around him better. There you have it, the Junior Prospect of the Week brought to you by Silent Air. Come check out Jordan Byro and the rest of the Saints as they take on the Bonneville Pontiacs in the AJHL North Division semifinals on Monday and Tuesday in Games 3 and 4 out at the Grant Fear Arena.
0: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming.
4: I think I'm getting the black lung pop. Back
3: on The Pipeline Show, it's a CHL Insider segment brought to you by The Store Next Door out in uh, Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. There's a group that uh, called The Store Next Door that uh, employs people with disabilities. What they do is they take all the broken hockey sticks that they can get their hands on, and they make some really cool products out of it. And, of course, the bigger thing here is the charity aspect and that they're employing people with disabilities. So I really uh, recommend you check them out at the thestorenextdoor.ca and get a copy of their catalogue, and uh, if you got uh, sports fans, maybe a, uh, a man cave, something like that, in your house uh, that you need to outfit with some really cool stuff, uh, check it out for sure. My CHL insider today comes to us from the uh, Sudbury Wolves, the uh, voice of the Sudbury Wolves, is Brandon Scott. Welcome to the Pipeline Show, Brandon, good to meet you.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me here. It's great to be on this uh, podcast.
3: I appreciate uh, you taking the time today. Uh, Exciting uh, season for the Sudbury Wolves, and can't always say that, but uh, well in the playoff picture right now. Uh, And uh, down the stretch, how is the team playing? I can only see the past 10 games and six wins. Uh, looks like it's been pretty good.
0: Yeah, this season has been uh, one for the books for the Sudbury Wolves. First time they actually hit 40 wins in the season since 1994-95, so it's been quite a season indeed. And uh, again, uh, things are just heating up here towards the playoffs for the Sudbury Wolves. And we're uh, doing just that. We're getting some hot play from our goaltender, Uko Pekalukinen.
3: Mm, I was going to ask uh, what the biggest reason for the uh, this banner year has been and wondering how much it has to do with the goaltender. Since he's the first player you mentioned, uh, how much credit do you give uh, because of the way he's played?
0: Uh, well, the Wolves, we are a team by committee, but one guy that really kept us in games that Sometimes we don't even belong in is Uko Pekalukin, and he has a 36 and 10 record at 2.45 goals against average, and he has played just phenomenal this season. Uh, he's one of the main reasons why the Wolves are doing so well that we were doing.
3: Uh, backstop Finland to uh, a world junior gold and a uh, second round pick of the Buffalo Sabres. Um, was there a, a transition period for him to get used to, to hockey over here, or did he take off without missing a beat? Uh
0: well it was a more of a slow start right in the preseason, but he really came alive uh against the Niagara Ice Dogs where he stopped like forty eight shots, I wanna say if I could remember correctly. And uh we end up winning that game four three a comeback victory. And uh that was really his coming coming out party as I mentioned, and he hasn't looked back since.
3: Uh, And then you can't, obviously the goaltender can't score the goals and you're getting some offensive contributions uh, from some pretty recognizable names as well. Adam Razichka leading the way with 70 points this year. Picked up uh, via trade uh, midway through the year from Sarnia, correct?
0: Yeah, we acquired Razichka at the deadline. and He's been just phenomenal this season for the Wolves. Uh, He's really electrified our offense, uh, giving us a good stable. Now we have three players that could be 30-goal season for us.
3: Big player like that that comes in. He's listed at six four and two hundred pounds. Uh, we know he's drafted by the Flames, so there's obviously some NHL expectations uh, for him. But a veteran guy like that that comes over and brings size and uh, offensive uh, contribution, so he's a full package for you guys.
0: Yeah, I and mean, he's really been the perfect mentor for uh, another young guy coming up. He's also six foot uh, four and two hundred some pounds, Quentin Byfield. So he's mm-hmm. been a great guy to kind of lead him. And uh, one of the things that kind of That goes underrated with Adam Raziska. just how well he is defensively. He's always one of the first guys willing to back check.
3: Well, Byfield was where I was going to go next. Uh, First overall pick in the 2018 uh, priority selection in the OHL. Uh, They list him here at 6'5 and 214. That is absolutely a handful uh, to try to deal with. Um, What sort of uh, a player is he, outside of what we can see just on paper? Uh, What can you tell us about the Byfield?
0: Uh, Quentin Byfield, he's certainly going to be a name to remember. He's so quick on the ice and he just makes plays out of nothing. It feels like, uh, it, it's like the puck's tied to a stick. Uh, like whenever he goes into the corner fighting for a loose puck, he's always the guy that comes out with it. And, uh, he's certainly been a treat to watch for me this season and he's just, uh, he's a playmaker and he could also get it done offensively. He's got 29 goals on the season right now. And it uh, certainly looks like uh, coming into our last weekend, he's going to be adding a
3: couple more tallies to that column. Now, not draft eligible until 2020, right? Yep, that is correct. No. Not the only uh, first overall pick in the OHL draft uh, on the Sudbury roster. David Levin, also a first overall pick back in 2015. He's played his entire career in Sudbury, undrafted. Uh, has he sort of maybe failed to live up to the expectations of a first overall pick? Not to say he's not a... Uh, a a pretty good contributor to the club, but just haven't reached uh, that level of what we normally see from a first overall pick?
0: Well, if you look at the numbers that Byfield's putting up this season, you kind of wonder what could have been with David Levin, but he's been a guy that took a little extra time to develop to kind of get used to uh, playing in the Ontario Hockey League, with David Levin being uh, not as big as a player as Byfield, and it looked like he really came around this season. He's been one of the leaders up until he had a terrible lower body injury that he suffered earlier in the season that got him in the miss of months and a half of hockey right now.
3: I had a conversation with Blake Murray earlier this season uh, on the show in our 2019 draft spotlight enjoyed that uh, chat a lot. What sort of what uh, sort of development curve have you seen from him over the last couple of years? He's he's one of the go-to guys on the team offensively too.
0: Yeah, well, offense was never a question about Blake Murray, but it's just how much uh He's willing to contribute to play in all three zones. That's been something that Corey's been working, like our head coach, Corey Stillman's been working with Blake Murray, and he's been doing just that. He's really picked up his play of lately. Uh, He's getting way more engaged. He's a more physical player than he's ever been, and uh, he's very defense-focused right now as he's gearing up for his NHL draft, which uh, I can only imagine the pressure on uh, these players going into their NHL draft. And uh, he's really been turning up a notch since uh, the beginning of this season, anyways. And uh, he's finding new ways to score, and he's been trying to uh, uh, improve his game that way as well.
3: Brandon Scott is the radio voice of the Sudbury Wolves. My guest here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, How do you describe this this defensive core? as a whole? Because there's not necessarily a lot of household names that the people across the country would recognize. I imagine within OHL circles, uh, these players are are fairly well-known, but not from the outside looking in. How would you describe some of those guys?
0: Well, this defense core, again, we we don't have any flashy players. We just have a blue-collar group, and uh, that's led by Cole Candela, our overage defenseman this year. Uh, He's got 34 points on the season, and he kind of leads the way he eats up minutes, but again, this Key group uh, they just work hard uh, they try to get they play us they play a simple game just try to get pucks out and they're also very aggressive to, uh physically that's been one of the storylines for the Sudbury wolves this season it's just we're very aggressive and a very physical team and uh that's exactly what our decor is and that's been successful And when you have a guy like ugo pagalukan and bailing you out it, that always calls for success
3: and still a fairly I wouldn't say overly young, but it's still a a, a youthful uh, defensive core. I mean, these guys could all almost all of them be back again next year, outside of Candela. So this is a group that's uh, kind of grown together.
0: Yeah, Isaac Phillips and Jack Thompson—they're in the rookie seasons this year, and Isaac Phillips has really taken off uh, under Corey Stilmany he Now he's out there playing about top four minutes. He's out on the penalty kill and the power play, and then Jack Thompson. Boy, can this kid shoot. He's only 16 years old, and he has a cannon of a shot. He's certainly a a power play quarterback in the making.
3: Well, the uh, Sudbury Wolves is currently sitting second place in the Central Division. Three games left to go on the schedule and just two points back of the Niagara Ice Dogs. How key is uh, trying to finish in first place? Uh, Home ice advantage, obviously, uh, being a thing. But unlike out here in the WHL, uh, it's still a, a conference one versus eight system in the OHL, so it's not like you have to battle to get outside of your division. How key would be the, uh, the finish on top of the division? Oh,
0: that, may, that means so much, just having home ice all the way through uh, playoffs. And, of course, if you could prolong a date with the Ottawa 67s in a playoff race, that's yeah. always a good thing, too, as uh, that team's just loaded front to back. And uh, just having home ice in that second round would do a major difference. The Wolves are unbelievable at home this year where they're smashing records themselves. Uh, so that would just mean a lot for a team just to play in the comfort of our own barn.
3: Interesting when you look at the conference standings, because I mentioned Niagara with 89 points. Well, in between Niagara and Sudbury is the Oshawa Generals as well. So there's three teams all within two points of each other with uh, three games to go, All the Generals only have two games left. What's the uh, the season record for Sudbury against those type of teams that are in the uh, upper end of the, uh, the standings in the uh, Eastern Conference?
0: Well, the the wolves uh, they lost the season series to the sixty seven. Uh, actually, it's a tie game. They lost in overtime once early in the season. Then they end up beating Ottawa in our own barn, but that was before the deadline when they brought in guys like Di Pietro right. and and Lucas Chioto. The Ice Dogs they actually beat the season series with them uh, that wrapped up last weekend, uh, four to two. And then they play the Generals again, the very last game of this season. That should be a heated contest. Uh, I know the Generals, so far the Wolves are leading that series, but the Generals, uh, they have a lot to prove, and they have a, a big game coming up. It was a close one, uh, last in our own barn. So I imagine that's going to be a tight game at the end of the year.
3: Well, it certainly makes things exciting when it goes right down to the wire, isn't it? Uh, when you look at uh, Ottawa, uh, the clear-cut you know, the leading the, the conference uh, by 12 points uh, as we're speaking right now, do you see them as being – not necessarily unbeatable, but certainly the favorites going in any series that they play, at least uh, up to the OHL final. But they're not an unbeatable team. They're very, very good. But hey, you mentioned Sudbury's uh, beat them.
0: Yeah, the Wolves beat them. Uh, we just kind of have to play an in-your-face style hockey. That's the only way that we can beat them. They have so much skill in that roster. And if you look at both their goaltenders, Cedric Andre and, and Michael DiPietro, those two guys could steal your games. And then uh, they have a solid d And then up front, they just, again, so much skill. Maximovich uh, he came over from Erie. Uh, Ty Felliber, who's uh, in his over-age. just signed with the Dallas Stars. Uh, Graham Clark, Claudie Clark, uh, Lucas Chioto, who's been a phenomenal uh, player coming over from the Barry Colts. These are all guys I could just uh, flip the s- script and uh, beat you. Yeah. So it's going to be a tight contest. And, of course, the 67s, it felt like they ran away with the conference in, like, November. Uh, they've just been a phenomenal team.
3: Yeah, they got a, a hot, such a hot start uh, along the way, for sure, in depth uh, that you mentioned. Uh, it's uh, tough to beat. Now, uh, sometimes it's, uh, it's funny because there'll be teams that uh, forget the standings, just the way two teams match up. Uh, it uh, seems like one team will have the other club's number. Is there a club? that's below Sudbury in the standings that the Wolves really don't want to play just because it hasn't worked out that well this year for whatever reason. Uh, The
0: Mississauga Steelheads are a team that I will not exactly be my ideal candidate. Uh, They've always played the Wolves pretty hard and uh, they're a team that's really been hot this last half of the season. So that's a team that uh, I'd be scratching my head against. This is a team that could upset any team out there right now as they have uh, a lot to prove and they still have a solid goaltender as well and of course, Thomas Harley on the blue line.
3: That's going to make for an exciting finish. So, uh, with only a handful of games left to go here this weekend, and some of those teams playing against each other to close out the schedule. Great stuff, Brandon. I really appreciate your time today. Enjoy the rest of the regular season and the playoffs. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Here's Brandon Scott of the Sudbury Wolves, and uh, since we had that conversation a couple of days ago, in fact, uh, as we're speaking to, as I'm speaking to you right now, it's Friday. Uh, last night, the Niagara Ice Dogs were in action and uh, won their game against Mississauga. So as we go into the weekend, the Niagara Ice Dogs have 91 points. Sudbury has 87. And in between there are the Oshawa Generals with 88. So and now all uh, Niagara and Oshawa have two games left. Sudbury still has three games left on their schedule. They take on Hamilton tonight. So not an easy uh, opponent there. The Bulldogs have uh, clinched at least the final playoff spot. They're in a battle of their own with North Bay right now to avoid playing Ottawa in the opening round. All right, we go from the uh, scene in the OHL to the scene in the NCHC as that uh, conference playoffs begin tonight. Brad Elliott Schlossman, always a great guest to have on when you want to talk college hockey, especially involving the NCHC conference. He joins me next to uh, give us the lay of the land. With a, we'll start with the team in his backyard, the University of North Dakota, as they are taking on the Denver Pioneers. So you got two arch rivals colliding in the first round of the NCHC playoffs. He'll set the stage for us when we come back. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, Soretsky, Mitchell. One time shot scores. Ian Mitchell, this kid's been red hot here on this road trip. He's got goals in back-to-back games, and he opens the scoring here.
2: Hi, this is Ian Mitchell, this is Booster Saints, and you're listening
3: to the Pipeline Show. Passion, talent,
4: development, NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Nick Buchstedt. can
5: scores! Wow,
4: what a goal! David Backus. Goal! And Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at college hockey.
5: Champions of the college hockey world.
0: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming.
3: Giant turkey is a little over the line, my man. Welcome back to The Pipeline Show, an NCAA Campus Report segment brought to you, of course, by College Hockey, Inc. If you are a player or you have a player in your family that uh, needs to uh, know what they need to do to maintain their NCAA eligibility, uh, go to collegehockeyinc.com. Maybe even reach out and contact uh, somebody like Nate Ewell and get some information, uh, or Mike Snee, who's the uh, director uh, but the uh, great resource at collegehockeyinc.com. And my guest today is a uh, fan favorite here on the Pipeline Show. It's uh, Brad Schlossman of the Grand Forks Herald. Welcome back to the program, Brad. How are you? Uh, good to talk to you, Guy. Yeah, it's been a while, actually. I, yeah. I don't think I've had you on maybe since the start of the season. That's uh, long overdue. Yeah, it's been a while. All right. Well, it's uh, crunch time as the uh, NCHC tournament gets going here this weekend. Uh, you're on your way. Planes, trains, automobiles trying to get to... Watch North Dakota practice with some road closures in in the state of Colorado right now. Uh, preview this matchup though between North Dakota and Denver because this is one of the uh, all time great rivalries.
4: Yeah, you know the the winner of this uh, goes to the NCHC Frozen Faceoff in St. Paul next weekend. Uh, the league has been around. This is the sixth year of the NCHC. Both North Dakota and Denver are five for five on making it. To the NCHC Frozen off. so only one will be able to advance this weekend. Uh, should be a really good matchup. Their their games this season have been close. The, the last three times they have played, two of the three have gone to overtime, and the scores have been two to one, two to one, and one to one. <laughs> so it has been uh, very close, uh, very low scoring, uh, a couple of overtimes, and uh, you know, two uh, what appears to be pre- pretty. Evenly matched
3: teams. Yeah, points uh, separated by two points in the standings with Denver having yeah. uh, the the uh, higher seed. Uh, goals for, pretty much the same. Goals against, pretty much the same. So you're right. Yeah. Uh, statistically speaking, not a lot to choose from. Uh, this time of year, there's always injuries uh, and guys playing through some injuries. Uh, what's the situation for North Dakota and Denver this weekend?
4: Yeah, for, for North Dakota, they'll definitely be without uh, forward Joel Janet Twain in and uh, goaltender Adam Scheel, who has had a really terrific freshman year. I would look for him to get drafted this year. He was uh, bypassed last year in the draft, but uh, he was excellent this year, and uh, I'm sure uh, enough scouts got to see him before he went down with an injury that someone's going to pick him this year. So, keep an eye on him in, in the draft. Uh, UND is Going to have uh, Grant Mismash back in the lineup. He uh, suffered what you and feared was a season-ending injury in late January. Uh, he slowly worked his way back, and he actually uh, played last Friday in college hockey. You, this is the first year where, you, or is it the second year? I'm you know I'm getting old and losing track now. <laughs> but um, you you could play a, a 19th skater, and so. What that allowed them to do was uh, dress someone like Grant Mismash, play him super limited minutes, might have only played like five minutes, hmm. um, and get him some action. He did not play Saturday, but this weekend he's expected to in, have a little bit of an increased role. So they're bringing him back slowly. Grant said he's not 100% yet, but he said he's good enough to give it a go. So I would expect his minutes to be limited. Probably uh, you'll see him on the power play where he's got a, a big shot and uh, has his uh, elite skill can show through and he can uh, help out a UND power play unit that's really struggled this year so he's back Colton Pullman did not play the last time UND and Denver played uh, you know and he's going to be back in the lineup this weekend too so uh, UND's got those guys in Denver Brett Stapley hasn't played for a while uh, I you know from what I understand uh, I, I don't think he'll play this weekend but uh, there hasn't been a lot of information on that front, so I can't say that definitively, but uh, Stapley uh, hasn't played uh, for about a month here for, for Denver. So there's uh, some key players out for both teams, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes.
3: Nick Jones uh, missed about a third of the season this yeah. year, still finished yeah. uh, in second place in scoring on the team. Now, Jordan Kawaguchi, uh, was that a bit of a surprise to see him leading the pack this year?
4: Uh I think it was a tiny bit of a surprise because I probably would have, but you know, I probably would have picked him to finish, you know, third, fourth in scoring. So it's not like a huge shock, but you know, I thought Jones and Mismash probably would have finished one, two. And as it turns out, like you said, they both missed about a third of the year. So, uh, there goes some point production numbers, but Jordan Kawaguchi's quietly had a very, very good year and, uh, on a team that doesn't score a lot and that makes his uh, point totals a little more impressive
3: should ask you about a couple of uh, Western Canadian guys and Jacob Bernard-Docker and uh, Johnny Taconica, both Ottawa Senators draft picks, both freshmen this year. Uh, statistically speaking, uh, night and day, though, uh, Bernard-Docker has played every game, 17 or 16 points along the way. Uh, Taconic's only got into 26 games and just four points. Uh, a bit different contribution from those guys this year.
4: Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, Jacob stepped in a little bit more ready Uh, right away than Johnny. Uh, He stepped into a much bigger role where Johnny was kind of being eased in. And and the really unfortunate part for Johnny is that about mid-November, you could finally start to see things clicking. Uh, You could see the game moving a little slower for him. He was making plays. You're saying, okay, now I see why he was picked in the second round. And right when things started clicking, he went down. And he was out for uh, over a month with an injury. It must have been almost even two months. And so then all of a sudden he had to, you know, jump back in and build back to where he was at. And uh, I think he's getting there right now. We're starting to see a little more flashes out of him uh, offensively and some of those skills that uh, got teams excited in the draft. Uh, Jacob's a little different. He, he maybe isn't uh, as flashy, but, uh, you know, he's got that ability to change the angle of his shots from the point and get it through. He scored several goals that way this, uh, this season. Uh, a couple of overtime, uh, big uh, shots in overtime from him, and uh, you know he's you know defensively he's a pretty good player too. He's he's got some, but both guys have uh, some growing to do before they jump to the next level. But uh, und has got to be excited about where they're both at right now.
3: On the other side of the ice will be the Denver Pioneers. Uh, they had some injuries along the way too, including their starting netminder Philip Larson missed the first half of the year. Uh, how's he been in the second yeah. half?
4: Uh, he's been excellent uh, they have a, a good problem in that uh, I don't know who they're going to start Devin Cooley was really good when Larson was out they've kind of been trading starts here and there and it seems uh, every weekend you go into it and you're not exactly sure uh, what the pioneers are going to do so they have a good problem of having two goalies there but uh, you know we've seen Larson several times and uh, he was excellent I, I think he played all three games That. Two one two one 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 2-1, 2-1, 1-1 games where he had three goals in three games. So, yeah, they've, they've had a tough time uh, scoring on Larson. And uh, because of that, I would expect him to start uh, Friday night. But who knows?
3: When it comes to the attack for the Pios, uh, who are the main guys that uh, fans should be watching out for, for sure?
4: Well, I think Emilio Patterson is is one of them. Cole Gutman's another one. Uh, both those freshmen have stepped in and probably done a bit more than you know you probably thought they were going to do. Uh, both of them are drafted players you knew they were skilled guys but you know when you're a, a young freshman in college hockey can be a tough transition and uh, Patterson's a, a very creative skilled player uh, Gutman scored some big goals for them and uh, you know their senior Jared Lucas Savages uh, leads them in goals and you know he's a, a proven guy you know has a hat trick and a national title game in, in his, his back pocket so uh, he's the guy who can score goals And then Liam Finley's kind of been the, the big surprise for them he's really jumped to the forefront here this year and, and had a nice season and of course on the back end uh, Ian Mitchell's a very offensive defenseman and uh, I'm sure Chicago's uh, looking forward to what they have there with uh, Mitchell.
3: Not a not a big step actually not a step forward uh, offensively with his numbers this year for Ian Mitchell 21 yeah. points so far He's now he's Last year he played nine more games than he has to this point, so there could still be some yeah. some production there. But has he taken a step back, or just kind of is it the the team a little bit different?
4: Yeah, I mean, last year he was on the power play with Troy Terry, Dylan Gambrell, and uh, Henrik Borgstrom, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and that unit scored a lot of goals and they were on the ice a lot. So uh, I think his production was always going to take a step back, even if his game is moving forward, just because. Those guys were such prolific scorers that uh, you know he was going to rack up a lot more points with uh, being on the ice with those guys.
3: Uh, speaking with uh, Brad Elliott Schlossman from the Grand Forks-Herald, uh, the NCHC tournament gets going this weekend. The other games, uh, of course, number one is uh, St. Cloud State. They were the top team uh, for a lot of the season in the entire NCAA, let alone the conference there. They're going up against Miami. Do you give the uh, Red Hawks uh, any chance in this game, in this series?
4: Uh, not really. Uh, St. Cloud State hasn't lost a game at home all year, so to lose two in the same weekend seems improbable. Um, you know, I guess if the Red Hawks are looking for any sort of hope, uh, they've been a team that's been tricky for St. Cloud State over the years. Uh, they, they had one weekend this year where they tied them twice, and may, maybe that doesn't seem like much, but consider in uh, 28 league games, There were only five that St. Cloud didn't win, and two of them were to Miami. So, uh, you know, and then you go back to the first year of the MCHC. St. Cloud was the one; Miami was the eighth. Uh, Miami came into St. Cloud and and stunned them in the first round. So, uh, you know, maybe there's some hope there. I just don't see a team that's, you know, hasn't lost at home all year, losing uh, twice on the same weekend.
3: What makes the Huskies so good? Well, they're they're very
4: skilled, uh, you know. Especially up front, I, I think the other thing is is they're really deep. I, rem- I remember they came to Grand Forks in in uh, late January, and you look at the line chart, and you know they don't have, you know, maybe if, if you call their go to guys, it's probably Ryan Paling. Patrick Newells had a great senior year but when you look at their line charts you're like I don't really know what the first line is what the second third like the difference between the first and fourth lines is not a whole lot right so I, they're just tough to defend because they're so deep and, and so many different guys. Uh, can score and that's reflected by their, their statistics.
3: It's funny. Cause when I think of St. Cloud, I'm thinking immediately of Ryan Paling as well, but he's fifth in team scoring. It's not like he's yeah. head and shoulders, yeah. the best player on the team.
4: Yeah. He he's been really good against North Dakota, but like I've watched some of their other games and Newell's been good. Uh, you know, even look, one of their best scorers uh, on the team has been Kevin Fitzgerald and he missed, you know, six weeks. Mm. So they're just getting another scorer back there and their team's even deeper. So Uh, I think they just, it's so tough because if you shut down Paling, there's still, you know, uh, six other guys that can beat you.
3: Yeah, yeah, veteran team too, Patrick Newell and Robbie Jackson yeah, uh, Jimmy Schull, all seniors leading the way for St. Cloud. All right, let's go to the matchup between Western Michigan and uh, Colorado College. The the Western Michigan Broncos, for me, just watching from afar, seem to be kind of hot and cold. They go on streaks and then they go on losing (laughs) streaks as well and you know, obviously Wade Allison was a key guy for them, and he missed the first half of the season as well. What do you expect from the Broncos?
4: Yeah, you're right on. They're super streaky, uh, even from night to night. You know, it, it's tough to know what, what, uh, which Broncos team is going to show up. But they're super deep up front too. Uh, they can really uh, ha- have a number of guys that can score, and uh, you know, their big key has been goaltending and defense the, during the middle of the season. Trevor Gorsuch had an incredible run where he went like two or three months with a 9.34 save percentage. And then he just went through a stretch of seven games where he got pulled four times, had a 6.02 goal uh, goals against average and an 8.15 save percentage. Uh, Andy Murray trotted them back out last week for his, uh, two more starts, and he performed very well at Miami. So, uh, you know, Gorsuch is obviously the guy they're sticking with. If the D can play in front of them and they can get some solid goaltending, they're going to win and they're going to be scary to play against because they're so good up front. But their Achilles has been, uh, they may score four goals on you, but they may not win with those four.
3: I have to ask you about Wade Allison, not just because I'm a Flyers fan, but because the, uh, you know, go back to the preseason, there was talk about this could be a Hobie Baker candidate. And then, of course, he wasn't available for the first couple of months. From what you've seen from him, Does he look like he's on track, like getting back to the Wade Allison that we expected?
4: Yeah, I think so, especially, uh, I mean, last weekend. He he has a hat-trick at Miami. You probably saw at least one of the goals going around on uh, Twitter and YouTube and everything. He had a a highlight reel one. And, uh, you know, I I thought when I saw him in mid-February, the first game, he was held without a point. But he, you know, UND clearly was... Um, you know, marking him. They, they wanted to know where he was at all times. He, his shot is, uh, he's one of those guys that can beat a goalie from above the dots with the shot. He's skilled. I think he's, has a strong stick. Uh, he can be strong on the puck and, um, you know, I'm guessing uh, he's getting some of his timing and everything back here too now. And it'll be interesting to see, uh, how he does against CC.
3: All right, in the last series it's chat about is the defending national champion Minnesota Duluth going up against Nebraska-Omaha. They struggled just as much as Miami uh, has, at least inside the conference this year. Uh, I guess similar question, then. Do you give uh, the, uh, the the group from Omaha any chance against the defending champs from Duluth?
4: Oh, Omaha is a long shot, too, and, and especially because that team has really struggled on the road this year. I think great team. So now they have to go do that twice uh, in Duluth against the defending national champions, and that's a really difficult task. So uh, that's going to be a challenge. They are a team that, you know, can be opportunistic. Uh, they have some guys who can score. Uh, Linger, good senior year in Nets. That was one of their big question marks coming in. Uh, their D-Core has some question marks. Uh, but, you know, that that's a really deep Duluth team that's very tough to score on, and that's going to be a big challenge for Omaha to go up to Duluth and, and win that game or win that series, I should say.
3: I saw the conference all-star list come out. Uh, Noah Cates, uh, the, the top freshman this year in the conference?
4: Uh, you know what? That is a great question. Um, I was going through some of that last week, and both player of the year and rookie of the year is so tough to, to judge. I mean, there were guys who didn't make the first team Uh, all-rookie team who I would have considered to be candidates for Rookie of the Year. So I think it really depends on who you ask, but he's definitely one of them. He's he's had a a very good uh, freshman season.
3: Do you give the Bulldogs a shot at repeating again? Could they? I mean, they're defending champs. Could they make it a three-peat? Are they that good?
4: Well, I mean, the the Bulldogs uh, won last year, but they won it, what was 2011, the last time they won it. That's right. uh, It would be three in a span. You were at that one, yeah, right,
3: 2011,
4: yeah, in St. Paul, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, you know they could; they're they're very deep on the back end, and, and I think that's where it starts. And in, in that, they're uh, solid and proven uh, up front. If you look at their numbers, they aren't super dominant offensively, but if you look at their team last year, they weren't either. They just got leads, and if they get leads, look out. I, I think. In their last, you know, you probably could say like 23, 24 games. When they've scored the first goal of the game, I think they've only lost once. Wow. So if they can get an early goal, like, look out because they can really shut you down.
3: Well, excellent. Uh, Brad, as always, a terrific uh, setup for this weekend in the NCHC. Uh, we watching from afar for sure. Uh, Safe travels to uh, get to practice today.
4: All right. Thanks, Locky. Good to chat with you.
3: That's Brad Elliott Schlossman from the Grand Forks Herald with a uh, terrific setup for this weekend's conference playoffs in the NCHC. We go from the beat reporter covering the University of North Dakota to a player who's draft eligible this year. he will be headed to the University of North Dakota to be a player with the Fighting Hawks next year. My guest in the first of three 2019 draft spotlight segments coming up is Harrison Blaisdell of the Chilliwack Chiefs in the BCHL. Hear from him next, here on the Pipeline Show.
2: Hey, it's Tyson Jost from the Pentecton
3: V's.
5: Jost racing back at center by himself, end-to-end, Jost shooting, scores! Tyson Jost yes, does it himself, end-to-end with 2.11 to go!
1: And
0: you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
5: One hole,
1: The I first
5: met. Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today.
0: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming.
5: Look, Guy, we have to stay strong. If you don't stand with your fellow Canadians, then you are a rat. Don't call me a rat, buddy. I'm not your buddy, friend. He's not your friend, guy. I'm not your guy, buddy. He's not your buddy, friend. I'm not your
3: friend, guy. Welcome back to the Pipeline Show with Keith Flaming. We're going to turn on the 2019 Draft Spotlight, and today my guest coming from the BCHL with the Chilliwack Chiefs. Of course, that means I'm speaking with Harrison Playsdale. Uh, Harrison, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Good,
6: good. Thank you for having me.
3: Oh, pleasure to get a chance to speak with you today. Exciting times around uh, the team after a... Uh, A thrilling uh, come-from-behind first-round playoff victory against uh, Langley. Uh, You're on to the second round. You'll be playing against Prince George uh, starting uh, this weekend, right? Uh, So exciting times for you guys uh, in Chilliwack.
6: Yeah, it was uh, definitely a little crazy this last week. Uh, I think uh, that first round kind of caught us by surprise with our younger team. But obviously, uh, we pulled through in a big way, and we're excited to win against George.
3: Well, what changed in that series? You go down three games to one against Langley and have to fight your way, you know, get up off the mat and uh, and win out the rest of the way. Uh, what changed for you guys? How were you able to turn it around?
6: Um, I don't know. I think uh, a big part of the first few games is we we did struggle to get some bounces and stuff like that too. And then uh, I think just having a younger team, it was, uh, it was a little of like an experience learning curve. So I think we kind of figured it out obviously at the right time and uh, that was huge.
3: You guys are actually down 3 games to none, weren't you?
6: Yeah, yeah, 3-0. Yeah,
3: that that's pretty rare that a team was able to come back from uh, that big of a, a deficit. You also had an overtime victory in game 6. So, along the way, I mean it was really close to to ending for you guys every step of the way. A little desperation like that might help in situation.
6: Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh you're always going to play your best hockey when you're in year series season, so no doubt about that.
3: Speaking with uh, Harrison Blaisdell of the uh, Chilliwack Chiefs, tell me about your team uh, coming into the uh, the postseason, just uh, what the atmosphere was like or the mood of the team was like. I imagine going into the playoffs a lot of confidence, and uh, with this comeback, I don't imagine that's changed.
6: Yeah, I mean, uh, after first place, it was uh, a pretty uh, exciting group going in, you know, oh God, what to expect just because of... We are obviously, but uh, I think Langley was a really good first series. He's yeah, got a you know a hard style, and that'll probably be one of the most physical series we'll play if we uh, continue to go forward. So, yeah, you know, three nothing comeback. Uh, it's a big boost for us, and we're super pleased this weekend.
3: Well, fifty eight points this season in fifty one games for yourself. Three points in the first round. How have you felt you, that you've played here in the postseason?
6: Um, I'm actually, despite uh, like, the uh, low numbers, I'm, I'm pretty happy with how I played in the first half. Obviously, awesome. the points, you know, they're tighter games and there's not going to be as many goals. But uh, for me, I think I created a lot of chances and I, uh, and whatnot. So um, I think uh, the goals are coming, and if I continue to just play a solid game for my team.
3: Uh, Harrison, next up for you guys, the uh, Prince George Spruce Kings. Um, Now, the travel, does that become an issue in in this series, do you think? Because it's uh, a long way up to PG.
6: Yeah, no, it's definitely like a big part of it. We did it last year in the first round. and We went seven games. That was about as big of a grind of a series as it gets. Um, I mean, I think uh, we do a pretty good job of taking care of ourselves and uh, we have a good format kind of place forward. So we should be able to handle it pretty well, but it definitely has an effect for
3: sure. What's the season series uh, been like between your two clubs? Um, well,
6: uh, it's a little strange just because of like when the timing of when we played each other. I mean, the first two games of the season we played up in Prince George, and they uh, they played us really well. Obviously, they have a older team, so we struggled early on, and then um, we played our four home games against them, kind of in the middle of the year, and I think uh, we we either split or we were three and one. And then uh, the last two games up in Prince George, we rested seven eight, or eight of our key guys. So we don't really count those ones.
3: Well, it should be a great series. I mean, you guys had finished with 85 points and they had 84. So right on your heels should be a great series uh, for sure. Uh, Harrison Blaisdell, my guest uh, here on the Pipeline Show. And what we like to do in this part of the show, Harrison, is get uh, let the audience get to know somebody that's in your position being a, a draft eligible player this year. Not everybody that's hearing this is going to know much about you. So let's get some background. Uh, where are you from?
6: Uh, well, I was initially I was born in Sheffield, England, and then uh, my dad was coaching hockey over there. And then we moved home back to Regina, Saskatchewan. So uh, I grew up in Regina.
3: Well, and one of the questions I usually ask, guys, is who got you into hockey? But with your father uh, being a coach and, and playing, uh, I guess that was a, that's a pretty obvious answer there. Uh, how old were you when you first started
6: playing? Uh, well, I didn't uh, start skating until I got home. So I've been about four or five. I was uh, always buzzing around and playing mini sticks and stuff with the Sheffield guys in the room and whatnot. But uh, I only started skating when I got home.
3: Okay. And how old were you when you when uh, you came back? I think about four, four and a half. Uh, and now, uh, have you always been a forward? uh no. I
6: was. I was a Well, I, I kind of switched back and forth, like until about PeeWee. Wee. But uh, since then, I've been strictly a forward.
3: Okay, I know a lot of guys, when they're really little, uh, you know, playing novice or whatever, everybody has to take their turn playing in net. Did you have that experience too?
6: No, I never did that. <laughs> really? <was> lucky. <laughs> never played a yeah. net? Wow. No. Well, I don't know. I, actually, I think what it was was we had a little outdoor hockey league in Regina, and I, I played goalie for one game, and it was freezing cold, <laughs> and uh, that was the worst thing I ever did in my life, so never went back.
3: All right, so you knew pretty early on that that wasn't going to be a fit for you. <laughs> yeah, you grew up in the Regina area, right? After moving uh, over here from England, yeah, yeah. You go to a lot of like Regina Pat games or something like that when you were a kid. Yeah, and then uh, the
6: Rough Riders too is a big thing in Regina, but uh, yeah, always Pat's games. And uh, I don't know, they they always had a good culture
1: when I
6: was kind of that younger age. They had some really good teams growing up, so it was fun to watch.
3: Yeah, and I mean your your father Mike was a uh, former Pat himself, was he not? Yeah, yeah, he played a season
6: in uh, in the '79. I think he played for the past.
3: Okay, now he also uh, he was playing at a time when you could uh, play both at WHL and uh, college. Uh, I think um, that was the case, but I know he went the college path uh, as well. For you, um, being uh, you were drafted by the uh, Vancouver Giants, but it looks like you're headed uh, down south uh, to play as well. Uh, North Dakota, your school of of choice, as far as I know. I talked to a player a couple of weeks ago who. Uh, told me, uh, at that point that he had, uh, just changed his commitment. So I don't want to assume that that's still the case. Uh, North Dakota, still the plan for you?
6: Yeah, yeah. No, that's the plan. I'll be heading down there in June. All
3: right. Well, tell me about uh, the Bantam draft first. And, uh, you were selected, uh, as I mentioned by the Vancouver Giants and, uh, pretty high. Uh, second round pick, uh, by the Giants back in 2016. At that point, did you know which path you were going, or was the w h l still a consideration for you then?
6: Yeah, no, I had actually already committed to North Dakota about oh probably a week and a half before the draft i was I kind of figured that if I was gonna make the decision that I didn't wanna uh have all the teams like caught off guard that I was you know like they they pick me in a in a high spot, and then all of a sudden I'm going to North Dakota, I didn't feel that was fair so. Uh, yeah, I'd
3: let him before the draft. Okay. Was that an easy choice for you to make? I mean, growing up in Canada, most of us consider, uh, think first uh, about the Western Hockey League and the NCAA obviously a, a really good option as well, but it's uh, uh maybe not the number one choice for a lot of kids growing up. Um, How familiar were you with the college path when you were younger?
6: Um, I mean, until, uh, that Bantam year, I didn't know a whole lot about college, Mm -hmm. but then I started kind of following it and whatnot. And then I, I went to some BCHL games while I was out in, uh, at Yale. And then, um, I guess just, uh, I did a visit in the summer before, uh, my Bantam year and I wasn't really talking to North Dakota or anything, but I had gotten, uh, one of my dad's friends got me a visit there. So. I was just kind of blown away, and I thought, like, this is definitely an option. Like, this would be incredible.
3: Yeah, the Ralph is pretty unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah,
6: no, it's, uh, like, you really got to see it to believe it. Like, it's it's insane.
3: Well, I can say that I have been there, and it is uh, probably the nicest drink that I've ever been in. Um, and that's uh, coming from a guy in Edmonton who uh, now has uh, Roger's Place, <laughs> one of the <laughs> yeah. newest uh, facilities on the planet. All right, you get to uh, you go through the Bannum draft. Uh, you obviously are not going the WHL path. How do you get uh, hooked up with Chilliwack?
6: Um, a lot of the Chilliwack thing came from we had a uh, a couple guys that stuck around because I went to Yale and Abbotsford. Yep, and so they had uh, guys working like uh, at the school that had connections with Chilliwack, and uh, they had sent players there before. So I kind of got talking to them through that.
3: Twenty-one points in your rookie season uh, with the Chiefs in 49 games up to 58 this year it's a pretty significant jump Uh, what changed for you
6: uh you know not not like a a whole lot probably just like a bit of a conference thing stuff you know i I had a tough time at at times last year i had uh, a good start and i had quite a few points in my first 10 or so games and then i had a long time where i went pointless and whatnot and then just uh like not quite getting the opportunity that I have this year, and that's understandable because we had older guys in the team last year. So now, with a little more opportunity, the the points go up.
3: Uh, points go up uh, with opportunity, but also, is there a, just a, a level of comfort having been through the league once? Uh, year two gets a little bit easier.
6: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, year two, you know, you kind of you know the ins and outs of the league. You, you know what to expect when you go into different rinks and stuff, and you just have like a more calm approach to every game.
3: Uh who are your uh, linemates this year or does it change quite often?
6: Uh it changes quite often. We have uh we have a good group of forwards so it's really uh it doesn't really matter. I mean, you get chemistry with a few guys and whatnot, but for the most part it uh it changes within like our top 6-7 forwards.
3: Okay. Well, for those of us who haven't had a chance to watch you play yet, can you give us a bit of a, a scouting report on yourself, Harrison?
6: Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm a hard-working forward who uh, plays with a lot of speed, and then I uh, I use that to create a lot of opportunities for myself to shoot and score and then uh, make plays like off the rush and coming out of the corners.
3: 33 goals this year of those 58 points, so you have more goals than you do assists. Do you, do you feel you're more of a trigger man than, uh, than a setup guy? Uh,
6: not necessarily. I, uh, I don't really know. Uh, in years past, I haven't been, but uh, you know what, I think just kind of the role I played on our team and, like, where I played on the power play and whatnot just kind of set me up to score more than
3: pass. Harrison Blaisdell from the uh, Chilliwack Chiefs, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, getting a chance to play in the World Junior A Challenge this year, uh, the second year for you, as a matter of fact. Uh, this year, much bigger role, or at least a, a more prominent role, uh, five goals, or five points, rather, in, in the six games. Uh, that experience, uh, what are those opportunities mean to a guy especially now that it's your, your draft year to play in a showcase like that
6: oh they're unbelievable like not only like obviously you get the uh incredible like all the eyes watching you know the nhl teams are all there so that's that's the exposure that every kid wants in his draft year but just also like playing in like a small town that rallies around a canadian team like that it was it was pretty cool
3: Uh, Now, when it comes to North Dakota, are you set to go next year? The the one sheet I'm looking at says uh, for the 2021 season. Um, but I think you mentioned uh, you were going out there this summer. So, uh, are you going to play next year in uh, North Dakota?
6: Yeah, I'll be playing in North Dakota next year.
3: All right, perfect. So you follow them all the time, like uh, you're always checking to see how they're making out this season. Yeah, yeah, no, I follow along pretty closely, and then I I know a few
6: guys on their team and whatnot. So yeah.
3: Uh, Before uh, the end of the season here, obviously uh, you're. Uh, want to go as deep in the playoffs as as possible are there some personal goals that you're trying to uh reach still this year as well
6: well like to a certain point but uh not exactly that kind that stuff kind of all resets in the playoffs like with the points and stuff it's uh it's you don't think about it as much you kind of just think about playing as long as you can and uh sticking with it so uh no not exactly i mean the draft's in the back of my mind and I gotta play good, strong hockey with that in mind. But other than that, it's kind of just a team first mentality.
3: Well, speaking of the draft, that was my next question: was how much you're thinking about it. You say it's in the back of your mind. It's got to be pretty hard not to think about it, though, isn't it? Oh
6: yeah, always. I mean, you have teams talking to you and stuff, so uh, you you, kind of you want to keep it like push it aside. But uh, obviously, you're always thinking about it. It's going to be one of the biggest days of my life, so. I'm uh, I'm pretty excited.
3: Well, and when Central Scouting puts out a list, and and uh, I don't know if you're a guy who goes to seek out where you're ranked, uh, teammates being teammates, I'm sure they let you know uh, which one of your teammates maybe tells you first uh, where they have you ranked.
6: No, I don't know. We have a we have a couple of younger guys that are uh, they're all about that stuff, so <laughs> that
3: would probably be one of those kids. So. Well, Harrison, the uh, playoffs uh, continuing for uh, the uh, Chiefs. You mentioned uh, uh, the uh, Prince sure George Spruce Kings, the next opponent. Uh, it's your birthday coming up this weekend, so uh, uh, any special plans uh, outside of uh, getting a couple victories?
6: Uh, no, no, not really. I mean, I get to spend my birthday on the bus, so that'll be a good time uh, up in PG. But uh, no, my, uh, my parents are out here for the weekend, so I'm sure I'll get to dinner with them or something like that. But uh, yeah, get to spend it with the boys.
3: <laughs> awesome. Harrison, I appreciate your time. Uh, best luck the rest of the way this year. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. That's Harrison Blaisdell of the Chilliwack Chiefs, who uh, finished the season with 58 points. 33 of those were goals, just 51 games. He's got three points through the first round of the playoffs. Uh, What a comeback, though. You're down three games to none, and you're the number one seed going into the playoffs, and you're facing elimination uh, for the next four straight games. And one of them went to overtime as well. So credit to them for coming back and winning that series uh Langley's got to be kicking themselves so that's going to be a long summer for the Rivermen we go to another 2019 draft spotlight segment this time uh, Matthew Boldy is the guest he plays for the U.S. National Development Program and he is projected to go potentially as high as maybe in the even in the the end of the top 10 probably more likely in that 10 to 20 range but uh, lots to like about him for sure get to know him a lot better when we come back you're listening to the Pipeline Show with Keith Flaming
2: Hey, this is Jack Rostovic from the U18 national team. Clayton Keller. Hey, this is J.C. Comfort. Hey, it's Joel Ferby from Team
1: USA. Hi, I'm Hudson Fashing. Hi, it's Brady Shea. Hey, this is John Gibson from Team USA. This is Jordan Greenway. This is Matisse Samuelson. Hey, this is Sonny Milano from the USNTDP. This is Oliver Wallstrom. Hi, this is Alex Tuck. This
6: is Ryan Lindgren. Hi, I'm Steven Santini, and I play for the U18 national team.
1: How's it going? Kate Fitzgerald with the national team. Hey, it's Austin Matthews. Hi, this is Jacob Truba from the USA Under 18 National Team Development Program, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Here I come
5: You're
0: listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming.
1: And here he is, having the time of his life.
3: This is The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. We're going to turn on the 2019 draft spotlight once again. And my guest today, a prominent uh, figure when you look at the rankings for the 2019 draft, you'll see this name uh, up there pretty high. His name is uh, Matt Boldy. He plays for the U.S. National Development Team. Matt, welcome to The Pipeline Show. How are you?
1: Good, how are you?
3: I'm doing well. Uh, exciting year for you as it's your NHL draft year. We'll talk about that. But first, let's uh, talk about the team and how things are going for uh, Team USA right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, things are going pretty well for us. Uh, we're playing good hockey right now and trying to get ready for the for Sweden with the U18 Worlds.
3: And that's kind of like your Stanley Cup, right? I mean, you've you've been with the program for a couple of years. It really all kind of culminates at that tournament, doesn't it, for you?
2: yeah I mean, it's been our goal since the first day we were here, and I think uh kind of been building for that turn, and we'll see how that goes. hopefully it'll be good.
3: well, the team's been playing really well, of course, there's so many of uh uh your teammates uh including yourself who are up for the draft this year, and uh, I think a lot of people regard it as maybe the best uh version of the uh the u eighteen squad that there's ever been uh how have you felt you've played this year on a personal level
2: yeah i think i I think I've played really well, i think. Like my game has grown a lot since I've gone to the program and along with my confidence and different aspects. I think that's something that's big about here. You, you develop a lot of different skills, so you learn kind of the best way to play and produce.
3: 24 goals this year, 56 points in just 49 games, unless that is a slightly out to date. But uh, that's a pretty impressive season. You, again, uh, your teammates, uh, there's a lot of highly ranked guys. Who are your lan- line mates uh, for the most part this year, or does that change?
2: Uh, coach changes around quite a bit, but uh I played a lot with Trevor Zegers at the beginning of the year, and then I've kind of moved into playing with uh, John Beecher and Judd Caulfield right now. Kind of just a lot of a lot of big bodies on that line, and we we worked really well together.
3: And, and that I was going to ask you because you are one of the the bigger guys on the team. Do you find you take a a different role than some of the other guys just because of the the size? When there's a lot of small forwards on your team as well.
2: Yeah, I mean. That's part of my my game. I think, yeah, I'm a big body, but I also have a lot of skill to my game. So mm-hmm. I have a lot more than just going around and banging bodies. But I think the way I use my skill doesn't change because of my size or who we have on the team. So
3: do you find that you have uh, better chemistry with uh, one or two guys in particular? Not the single, you know, not to throw shade at any of your teammates or anything. But do you, do you find no. you click better with with one or two guys?
2: Uh, I think. Uh, skill-wise, I think I click really well with Zygris. I think we just know where each other are, and we've played a lot together since we've been here. So I think we click really well together skill-wise. But I think I click well with a lot of guys, and I can play different roles in the lineup as well.
3: Well, talented players seem to be able to do that when they're uh, playing with other talented players. So not a surprise to hear mm-hmm. you say that. Uh, Matthew Boldy is my guest. He plays for the Team USA, the U18 squad with the National Development Team, and this is the Pipeline Show's 2019 Draft Spotlight. Uh, what we like to do in this part of the show, Matt, is let my audience kind of get to know somebody that's draft eligible, like you are, and not everybody that's hearing this is going to know automatically who you are. So let's start at the beginning, get a bit of background. Where are you from?
2: Yeah, so I grew up in a small town in Massachusetts, uh, Millis. So I grew up there, and it's kind of just pretty small town, not much going on.
3: How old were you when you first started playing?
2: Uh, When I first started playing, I was about three. I was skating at like one and a half, two, so oh. basically my whole life has been hockey and
3: it's been a love of mine. Well, that's uh, pretty young, uh, a year and a half old uh, to be getting on the skates for sure. Who got you into it uh, at that young age?
2: Uh, My dad. My, uh, I have an older brother, Mike, so I kind of, he was into it, so I kind of grew up and just seeing him always wanted me to do it, so. It's pretty easy to get into it.
3: A classic case of a uh, little brother always wanting to do what older brother is doing. I I, I was the same <laughs> way. I had an older brother, too, and I always just wanted to do whatever he was doing. Same thing?
2: Yeah, exactly,
3: yeah. Now, you're a forward. Have you always been a forward uh, all the way growing up? Did you ever play on the blue line?
2: No, I've been a forward my whole life. So, I think defense, uh, I don't know. I just think offense a little bit more fun. i uh, a big fan of scoring goals and getting assists, so... <laughs> I think that's a little bit more fun than playing defense.
3: I know, maybe when you're five or six years old, like in your, uh, everybody tells me a story, that, you know, most guys have to uh, throw the pads on, and take their turn in net because there's really no full time goaltender or something. Did you have a similar experience?
2: Uh, a little bit. I think there were a couple games and my hockey yeah, I played goalie, but <laughs> so yeah, I could count them all on one hand, so not, not too bad, but I definitely had that time in my life, yeah.
3: Uh, Matthew. Uh, growing up, were you aware of the program, and, and was that always sort of a a place you wanted to get to, a destination you want to get to, or did it kind of come to you a little bit later? Um,
2: it probably came to me around freshman year of high school, eighth grade, I think, when so I really started finding finding out more about it and all the really good players that have come through here. And I think once I found out what it was and the meaning behind it, it was kind of a goal of mine to make the team. And I mean, it all ended up working out, and it's been really great for me.
3: Obviously, working out that when you first get that invite to try out for the team, um, that's got to be almost—I uh, mean—nervous and, uh, but intimidating a bit. A lot of talent on that squad.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think there are a few nerves, but I mean, I kind of just, just like to go and do my thing and try not to worry too much about that. And I know if I play the way I can play, then I definitely have a chance to the team.
3: Now, Central Scouting has you uh, listed. At, uh, what, about 6'2 and 185-ish, uh, 190 pounds, something like that? Yep. Um, are those uh, numbers still uh, accurate?
2: Yeah, I'm about 6'2, 192. So
3: 192. On a
2: couple pounds this year.
3: Have you done uh growing? Have you stopped growing?
2: Uh I think I've grown a little bit, but not not too much. I've uh, grew. I think I've grown two inches since I've come to the program. So I think I'm going to stay around 6'2, maybe get up to
3: 6'3. Okay. A comfortable playing weight for you now?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think I could put a little bit more on, but uh, I try not to do too much just because I like to play that skill game, like I said, and sure, kind of gets a little bit harder the heavier you get.
3: Uh, I always uh, have an interest when I talk to, uh, and I've had a number of your teammates on the show and, and guys who have gone through the program in past years, just a, the unique schedule that you have. I mean, you play a third of your schedule against NCAA opponents and other USHL teams, and then, of course, you have the international opponent as well. Do you have a preference because they're all a little bit different, right? I mean, the college guys are obviously older, and the international stuff is fun because you're representing your country. Do you have a, a preference of the the opponents that you play? I mean, I wouldn't say a
2: preference. I mean, it's definitely cool experiencing all those different leagues and stuff. Like college is pretty cool this year because gives you an insight to where you're going to be next year and playing all those big uh, big arenas with all the fans and students is pretty cool. And obviously, the international tournaments are something special. Something you don't really uh, forget just because you're representing a country and there's, there's so much on the line.
3: Now, you wear the red, white, and blue every night. I, I imagine it, it's no different whether you're playing in the USHL, uh, you know, against Dubuque or something like that, or if you're going overseas and playing against Finland. You still get to wear your national colors. And is it a little bit different, I, I suppose, when you leave the country to do it, but never gets old, does it?
2: No, definitely not. I think that's something that coach preaches uh, a lot that you don't get to wear the jersey that often. So, I mean, Every time you get the chance to put it on, it's something special and kind of something that you got to take pride in.
3: Now, I don't have your full schedule in front of me. Did you get to play against Boston College this year? We did not. No, we played, we went to Boston, though. We
2: played Boston University, Harvard, and then we went to New Hampshire to play Dartmouth.
3: All right. Well, you get to uh, play against a couple of those teams on a regular basis once you get to B- BC. Um, tell me about Boston College and why. Uh, playing at that program was uh, the right fit for you, uh, and how much of it has to do with Jerry York?
2: Yeah, I mean, I kind of grew up in the area, being from Massachusetts, and my uh, really good friend's dad was a volunteer assistant coach there, so I kind of grew up going to uh, those games with my uh, buddies and my friends. So, kind of grew up in the arena, and kind of was always a dream when I had to go there.
3: So you were watching BC games as a kid? I mean, there's a lot of Division One schools there. So, it's, I mean, when you say you grew up in the area, you grew up in the area of a lot of those schools.
2: Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think uh, BC was always kind of the one that I was at and the games
3: I was watching, so it was kind of easy.
6: Hey, Guy, I'm I'm super sorry to cut you off. Matt just has a meeting
1: that he needs to head into right now.
3: Hey, Matt, sorry, I appreciate your time. Uh, I know you got to yeah, go. no problem. So. Okay, well, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Good luck this year. Yeah, thank you. Bye. There's Matt Boldy of uh, Team USA, the U18 program with the National Development uh, Program, the U18 squad. We had to wrap it up uh, abruptly there at the end. I was told the night before that I would have 10 minutes, and we actually went past that 10 minutes. We just had phone connection problems at the start of those 10 minutes, so I didn't get uh, everything done that I had hoped to do uh, during that interview. But um, no fault of Sydney's; uh, she was the the voice that you heard there at the end. I just wanted to. Uh, Put her part in, I just want to leave that in just so you, the listener, would know why it just kind of ended abruptly like that. I only had about three more questions to go, but I think he got a pretty good perspective of uh, what sort of personality uh, Matt has, and he did tell me to call him Matt, not Matthew. But pretty intriguing player, uh, for sure. At least it, to me, he's intriguing because he's, he's one of the bigger guys on the team. There's lots of uh, skilled small guys on the squad, uh, but he's one of the uh, few guys with some size, and he's got 24 goals uh, so far this season with 56 points, so more than a point-per-game guy, even though he's, I think he was f- fourth in team scoring at the time uh, when I spoke with him. So having a really strong year. One more segment to go on this episode of the Pipeline Show. We'll clean it up with another 2019 draft spotlight. This time it will head to the Western Hockey League. It'll be a in-the-dub segment. Brayden Tracy leading the entire Western Hockey League in scoring for rookies. He's a 17-year-old uh, rookie this year in the league and draft eligible. Get to know him when we come back. This is the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Woo!
4: Down on the end boards. Brandon turns it over. Ford comes around. as woo shot! He scores! Jet Wu snaps it
0: far side over the glove of Logan Thompson, and the Warriors have extended
4: their lead. Hi, this is Jet Wu from the Moose Jaw Warriors, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. It's
0: the final home game before the playoffs, and it's a battle of Alberta,
5: WHL style. Join the Oil Kings this Saturday at Rogers Place for Team Awards Night. Then watch them go toe-to-toe with the Calgary Hitmen.
0: Edmonton hands out the Team Awards before puck drop.
5: Find out who scores the hardware for best defenseman, top rookie, and more. You can even scratch and win one of a 1,000 Trey Fix Wolanski Player t-shirts. Oil Kings, Hitmen. Special 2 p.m. puck drop this Saturday. Great
0: family entertainment at Rogers Place starts at just $20 a seat. Save on day of game
5: pricing now at oilkings.ca.
0: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Oh, that's greasy. That's really greasy.
3: That's greasy. Continuing on with The Pipeline Show, my name is Gee Flaming, and it's another 2019 Draft Spotlight. And our guest is from the Western Hockey League, uh, so it's an In the Dub segment brought to you by Dubnetwork.ca. Stay up to date on everything happening around the Western Hockey League by going to Dubnetwork.ca. And my guest today the uh, leading rookie in scoring in the Western Hockey League right now. His name is Brayden Tracy, draft eligible, playing for the Moose Jaw Warriors. Welcome to the Pipeline Show, Braden. How are things?
1: Good. Uh, how are you doing?
3: I'm doing well. I'm not leading the uh, the league in rookie scoring, though, right now. Boy, you uh, must be enjoying this year, eh?
1: Yeah. it's uh pretty surreal to, uh, to be leading like that, but uh, once again, it doesn't come without uh, my line mates and my uh, teammates.
3: Well, you got a couple of uh, really high-scoring teammates uh, line on your line in Justin Almeida and, and Tristan Langan. Uh, both of those guys over 100 points this year. Um, to be able to, to line up with those guys, you know the points are going to come your way, but you can't just be the third wheel on that line either. What makes the the trio click?
1: Uh, I think it's just their connection we have. Um, we know where each other are on the ice, and I think that's pretty huge, but uh, obviously it doesn't stop now with playoffs just around the corner.
3: Well, a couple of veteran guys like that, though. What do you learn from them over the course of a season?
1: Oh, a lot. Uh, we never stop talking on the bench. Um, it's always, it's always about compete level with the both of them. Um, obviously, I like to, I like to bring it up another level too, but uh, they're they're always on me about uh, compete level.
3: Well, team's playing really well. You guys uh, They got the victory yesterday against the Bryan and Wee Kings. You scored a, a terrific goal. Uh, then also had a penalty shot. Didn't go your way on, on that one, but um, take me back to the goal. Just a, a great individual effort.
1: Um, I heard uh, I grabbed the puck in the middle. Uh, I heard Justin made a yelling drop, so I knew that D would maybe be sneaking up more towards him. Uh, I saw him. He was kind of flat-footed, so uh, I got around him, and then all I had to do was put it under the stick and walk down the goalie, so it, uh, it worked out well, but it didn't. Uh, it would have never happened if Mage wasn't yelling for that drop pass. <laughs> so,
3: uh, even when he doesn't get an assist, you still credit your line mate with uh, with helping out. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Braden Tracy yeah. of the Moose Jaw Warriors, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. It's the 2019 draft spotlight segment. Uh, what we do in this segment, uh, Braden, is get the audience uh, a little bit more familiar with a player who's draft eligible. And my audience is across North America, so there'll be people in the states or out east uh, that don't follow the WHL as closely, uh, who might not know who you are. So let's get a bit of background, if you don't mind.
1: Where are you from? I'm from Calgary, Alberta.
3: How old were you when you first started playing?
1: Do you remember? Uh, I started skating when I was about four. Uh, didn't really like it. So I remember I'd cry uh, every time I went on the ice. But uh, my uh, my dad was really into the game, so he made me keep going. But uh, it worked out.
3: That's funny. My kid also did not want to learn how to skate, and so he was uh, always doing snow angels and stuff on the ice instead of actually trying, yeah, yeah. To, trying to skate. Uh, what turned around for you? When did you start enjoying it?
1: Uh, when I was about seven, uh, when I first started to go into a league, um, I realized how much fun it actually is. i um, obviously learning a lot of new, new friends that you'll carry on throughout your life, but uh, yeah, I think uh, around seven it uh, turned around for me.
3: Now, you're a forward now. Have you always been a forward?
1: Yep, I've always been a forward, but uh, when I when I was little, like uh, my first league, uh here I wanted to be a goalie really badly. But my uh coach told my dad that it wouldn't be a good idea. So <laughs> my dad took his word for it.
3: Any particular reason why he said that? I mean, did he get an opportunity
1: and it was just a bad game or what? Uh, I got well, in uh our first league, we kind of rotate goalies sometimes. I'd sure. go in. Uh wow. I thought I was good, but my uh, my <laughs> coach said I was better at uh playing forward more than uh, being a goalie so i think my dad took a little bit from that and didn't let me be a goalie
3: oh that's funny um all right and then you, you uh played in calgary right up until last season so homegrown kid uh in uh, calgary take me back to the uh the bantam draft and what draft day was like for you i talked to a lot of players some guys get to stay home from school and some other guys are following it along on their phone or whatever in class uh, what was
1: draft day like for you uh, I was gonna stay home, but, uh, I didn't think it was a good idea just in case things didn't go my way. Hmm. But, uh, I went to, I had gym first period and, uh, my teacher asked why I was there. I said, well, gotta be at school. Um, I think that was a little bit of a shock for him to come up to me like that, but he, uh, he brought me to this room with, uh, with my LA teacher. He sat down and put the draft on the smart board. And, uh, me and my buddy who got drafted to Kootenay, we, uh, we watched the draft all day. So I thought that was pretty awesome.
3: Nice. Who was that, uh, that got drafted by Kootenay that year? Uh,
1: Nolan Orzak.
3: Okay. Uh, well, and 21st overall, uh, by the, uh, the, the Warriors, that was back in 2016. Now you did actually go back in. The, this is your rookie year, so you could have played in the league last year. Having that extra year back in Calgary again, uh, playing midget, do you think that's really helped you and to where you are this year and, and that you're leading the league in scoring as a rookie?
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think my confidence went up a lot. Um, obviously carrying the puck, playing the big minutes with, uh, with my major team is obviously pretty, uh, pretty welcoming. but, uh, I think we had a good talk last year with the, with the coach and the manager here, and, and, uh, yeah, we thought it would be best to go back, and it worked out pretty well. You
3: also had, uh, you got in five games last year, so you had a bit of a taste of the league. Did that kind of give you a sense of what you needed to do and, and what to expect this year?
1: Yeah, that gave me confidence for sure. Um, obviously playing those games, I know what to expect. I know what I got to work on in the summer. But then uh, playing in the two playoff games as well, obviously, was a pretty big jump as it gets harder. So I got to learn from that and take it into this year.
3: Braden Tracy, my guest, forward with the Moose Jaw Warriors. Did you have any expectations this year, like where you would be playing on the roster? I mean, let alone playing with those two guys. But I don't know if you're a guy who sets statistical goals for yourself at the at the start of the year. If you are, safe to say, you've blown past those uh, those numbers you might have expected.
1: Yep, safe to say I, my goal was uh, 50 for the season. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, coming into the season, I knew I knew what I could do, but uh, my coach would be texting me throughout the summer saying what he was expecting. He, uh, he wanted a lot from me, so that, that pushed me even harder to uh, be a better player in person.
3: Uh, for those who haven't had a chance to watch you and the Warriors play, how would you describe yourself as a player? Can you give us a bit of a self-scouting report?
1: Uh, I think a uh, big heart, um, never gives up, a uh, very skilled forward who, who likes to compete and help his teammates out a lot um, with, uh, with a uh, scoring touch uh, up front.
3: Uh, Central scouting has you listed at 6 foot and 177 pounds, are those uh, still accurate numbers?
1: Yep, it's accurate, my weight jumps around from around 175 to 183, but uh, yeah, it's pretty accurate.
3: Uh, well, what's the reason it jumps so much, just uh, if you're playing that week or you're spending a lot more time in the gym?
1: Yeah, a lot more time in the gym, and then uh, sweating a lot on the ice. will will bring <laughs> bring you down a couple pounds if you're not drinking the water on the bench. So you got to uh, you got to be careful with that. Uh, you did
3: get to play for Canada at the U seventeen last year. Getting to wear the Maple Leaf, what was that experience like for you?
1: It was pretty surreal. Um, honestly, any dream or any kid dreams of that. Um, obviously, wearing Maple Leaf that's, that's your country, so you got to represent it and uh, bring it out and uh, go hard.
3: Uh, tell me about playing uh, for uh, Coach Hunter, and it could be an intimidating guy. He certainly was when he was a player. Um, was it intimidating when you first went into camp?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously as a 15 year old when I came up, I thought he was a pretty scary guy. <laughs> but uh, I think I've grown on him a lot. Uh, we we get along very well. Uh, I'm not scared as I was then to to go have a conversation with him or go ask him for help. But yeah, he's pretty pretty intimidating. But uh, I think it uh, pushes you even harder.
3: Now playoffs right around the corner. You've known for a while it's going to be uh, Musha and the Saskatoon Blades uh, connecting in the first round. What's that season series been like between the two clubs?
1: Uh it's been pretty back to back. I mean they they have the upper hand on it as they beat us more times than we beat them. But uh, I think we just got to out compete them. Uh, I think it starts on the on the first face off right to the last, and uh, we just got to win our battles on the boards. And uh, I think we'll all have a pretty good chance of winning.
3: Well, your line obviously is uh, one of the best in the entire WHL, if not the entire Canadian Hockey League. You also got a couple of marquee defensemen in Josh Brook and Jet Wu. I wonder internally, though, is is there a stress uh, on um, making sure there's some secondary scoring too? Pretty hard to go deep in the playoffs being, you know, somewhat of a one line team.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be pretty hard. Um, we know our second line can do it. Uh, we just we just gotta rely on them. We gotta trust them as they trust us so that uh, we're gonna do our job. Um, it's just like third and fourth line too. I mean, uh, if they're doing their job, it's going to go throughout the whole team and it'll turn into success for us.
3: As a Calgary kid, flames your team growing up or were you cheering for somebody behind enemy lines?
1: Nope. Calgary was my team. Uh, I grew up watching them. Um, still to this day, uh, I like them a lot, but, uh, hopefully. Hopefully that'll change, if not stay the same.
3: <laughs> It'll change whatever team picks you, unless it is Calgary, then uh, that would be something special, yeah. wouldn't
1: it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that would be very special, but uh, obviously it's, it's special going anywhere, it's a dream come true. Is
3: anybody in particular in the organization that you kind of uh, idolized growing up?
1: Uh, I think Ginla, obviously, was a pretty big player. Sure. Um, I watched him a lot, his, his leadership ability was just insane watching him, what he does, and and all that, but uh, I think to today's day, I think Johnny Goudreau is obviously a pretty special player.
3: Is the draft something you spend a lot of time thinking about, Braden?
1: Um, at the start of the year, I thought about it a bit with my agents. We would talk about it. We would uh, say what has to happen for me to be there, but. Uh, as, as it's gone on, I think more pressure has come on, but I try not to look at it as much as uh, as much as I should be.
3: I know, when, like when the rankings come out, the Central I mentioned uh, they have you ranked at number seventy three in North America. Is that a do you look at that number and say, well, that's pretty flattering, or is it, man, I want to be higher than that? It is is a motivator in that way.
1: Yeah, it's a little bit of both. I mean, I know I can be higher. Um, obviously, if I'm not playing well, it's going to go down. But if I play good, it, it could go up. So. I think you just got to take it day by day and uh, try not to focus about it.
3: Well, uh, I certainly appreciate your time today, Braden. I wish you the best of luck uh, as the playoffs are right around the corner and uh, whatever happens in the draft. I hope we can uh, have a chance to chat again one day. Yeah, thank you. That means a lot. Braden Tracy leading the WHL in scoring uh, amongst rookies and uh, having a really strong season. The uh, Warriors will go up against the Saskatoon Blades in the first round of the WHL's playoffs. That's going to wrap up this week's episode of the Pipeline Show, which was basically brought to you by the letter B. Heard from uh, Brandon Scott of the Sudbury Wolves play-by-play guy. Then we heard from Brad Schlossman, the uh, beat reporter for covering the University of North Dakota. Harrison Blaisdell from the Chilliwack Chiefs of the BCHL was our first guest in the 2019 draft spotlight. Then we heard from Matt Boldy uh, from the U.S. National Development Team, and we wrapped it up with Braden Tracy of the moose jaw works completely unintentional but uh lots of bees had to have a bee in your name to be a guest this week on the pipeline show quick thank you to everybody that signed up to be a patron at patreon.com slash the pipeline show next week on the program expect to have a uh, lengthy conversation with sam cosentino from sportsnet as we profile or preview rather the entire playoffs across the canadian hockey league that and a lot more next week on the Pipeline Show. Between now and then, get out and watch some junior college hockey so that you and I can talk about it next week here on the Pipeline Show. Till then, my name's Keith Flaming. See ya!